this is Kara Foster, Senior Minister of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky. You're listening to our sermon podcast. You can connect with us at firstchristianmadisonville.org or join us in person at 8.30 and 11 a.m. at 10.30 College Drive in beautiful Madisonville, Kentucky. I hope you'll subscribe. Thanks. Good morning. Happy Epiphany, everybody. I am sure you have been counting down the days to Epiphany Sunday. Technically, Epiphany was yesterday, but close enough, who's counting? Um, There are actually 12 days of Christmas, and uh, feel free to use that for anyone who nags you about keeping your Christmas tree up past New Year's Day. Um, But the season of Epiphany comes after the 12 days of Christmas, and Epiphany comes from the Greek word to appear. And on this day, we talk about the wise men wandering who finally found Jesus. Jesus' appearance to Gentiles, non-Jews, is all a part of remembering the Epiphany season. Now, sometimes Epiphany is called Three Kings Day. And this always annoys the Bible nerds among us who will point out that it actually doesn't say there were three kings in the scripture. It only mentions that they brought three gifts. And so perhaps everyone couldn't imagine meeting the Savior of the world without a good housewarming gift. And so the tradition has begun around it that there were three wise men. And I'm going to read this story that you've probably heard a million times from the Gospel of Matthew, but I invite you to try to listen closely to this story because of the two versions of Jesus' birth, they have a lot of commonalities. Matthew's is just darker. There's an element of fear and danger from the very beginning in this story, and I want you to hear that. As we listen today, it's Matthew chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, and I invite you to read along with me. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where's the child who's been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it's been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. And then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. And when they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, there they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Sometimes we call them kings, sometimes the magi. Matthew calls them wise men from the east who follow a star in the sky. It's surmised that these guys were likely practitioners of Zoroastrianism from present-day Iran. Their religion involved looking up at the sky and interpreting events. So they see this star in the sky and they decide they know a king has been born, so they head to Jerusalem. Of course, Jerusalem. Jerusalem's the city of kings. It's the seat of power and politics, the heart of the Jewish people. Of course, you head to Jerusalem. But they were wrong. They wandered off course. They took a scenic route. They got lost. Now, it just so happens that I had a very personal experience with getting lost this week. My dog, Junior, got lost on a hike in the Peabody Wildlife Management Area south of town. Thousands of acres, one hound dog got lost. Junior spent about 24 hours on his own scenic detour. It ended happily. The kids found him. He got home. He could barely walk. He was so exhausted. Thankfully, it was a happy ending. He may look like a hunting dog, y'all, but this is a dog that has a favorite blankie in our house. So it was a rough 24 hours for us all. But that feeling of being lost, it is a terrible feeling, isn't it? Even if it's not you that's lost, even if it's something you or someone you love, it's a terrible feeling to be lost. My, we lost my little brother at King's Island one teeny tiny time, and he's still talking about it 30-something years later. It's a terrible feeling to be lost. And these guys, they're supposed to be wise, but they head to the wrong place. They get lost. They head to the palace in Jerusalem, but they should have been in Bethlehem. When I went to the Holy Land, one of my big takeaways from actually physically being there is that I realized how small the area actually is. The distance from Jerusalem to Bethlehem is literally six miles. So they were close, but just a little off and then they walk up to the Roman leader Herod and they say to this king hey do you happen to know where the new king is so that we can give him these wonderful things we brought him I mean way to trust the wrong person and Herod is not a good guy he is a terrible guy in fact you know, if you've ever heard someone, I don't know, I do this every time. I can't help myself. If you've ever heard someone say to you, like, have you ever been to Louisville? And you immediately go, you're not from around here, are you? That is not how you say that word. You know, the wise men were not from around there. They didn't know that Herod was actually a really awful terrible guy. We know from even other history books like Josephus, the Jewish historian, that Herod killed uh, some of his own sons. He killed his wife. He um, actually, this was one of his memorial requests upon his death. He wanted a bunch of distinguished and respected men to be rounded up 
and murdered so that there'd be lots of crying and weeping in the streets because he wanted people very, very sad when he died. Thankfully, his sister did not fulfill that request, and they did not do that. But Herod was a terrible person. The wise men did not know this. They trusted the wrong guy. He tells them, hey, you go find them. Please, 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 please report back to me so that I may go worship him too. And they head off, and they wander some more, and they eventually make their way to the Holy Family. They find Jesus, they find Mary, they find Joseph, and they present their gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, frankincense is a fragrant incense often used in the temple. Myrrh was a spice used often to prepare people for their burial, and you all know what gold was used for. These are fine gifts, expensive, valuable gifts, gifts meant for a king. And there's been all kinds of stories and talk about the symbolism behind these gifts. <clears throat> Maybe you've even seen this cartoon. It's always popular in social media this time of year. There's a cartoon out there that says, um, if wise women visited baby Jesus, and it shows Mary thrilled to receive formula, diapers, and casseroles. Um, but the truth is, there is actually a little bit of truth behind that silly cartoon because the gifts these wise men bring, they must have seemed so wrong to them. They expected to end up standing in a marble palace in Jerusalem. And yet, there they are in sleepy, dusty little Bethlehem to a couple of peasant parents with no one and nobody. The destination was never how they pictured it. They had trusted the wrong guy, and they had brought gifts that probably seemed entirely wrong for the situation. But there's this phrase in verse 10 of this passage that I just love. In verse 10, there are these three little words, overwhelmed with joy, when they finally got there, when they finally made it and were able to offer their gifts to Jesus. In verse 10, it says, they were overwhelmed with joy. Have you ever been overwhelmed with joy? Maybe uh, there's a moment in your life you can think of where suddenly it was the surprise of it, the unexpected goodness of a moment. Maybe you realized something was better than you ever dreamed of or dared to pray for overwhelmed with joy. That's what Matthew says the wise men were. I love that. Now maybe you tend to follow your GPS more than stars in the sky, but I really believe that all of us can relate to these wise men here in this story because every single one of us knows what it is to watch our plans just go away. We make plans, we have our New Year's resolutions and they're destroyed by January 7th. We set our goals, we decide what we want to do in our life, and yet even with all of that, things still go awry. You know, my own little minister nerd heart, I still use a paper calendar. And every year it's got some sheets in the back and I fill it with things. Uh, 
sermon ideas, uh, uh, schedules, plans for the year. I love to fill that planner up, and it just brings me such perfect joy to put all those dates on the calendar. And then your dog gets lost in the middle of the week. We make plans, and God laughs, right? Isn't that what it says? Life just doesn't look like how we picture it. And I know you don't need some minister to remind you of that. You know, there's this little story, I've told it to you before, about another wise man who also saw a star in the sky, and he heads out with his treasures to go bring them to the baby Jesus. But along the way, as he makes his way to Bethlehem, he ends up coming across a hurt and dying man on the road. And so he stops and he tends to him and he stays with him and he spends some of his treasure to help him and ease his comfort in his final moments. And so by the time he gets to Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph have already had to flee to Egypt from Herod's wrath, who's after him. And so he makes his way to Egypt. But along the way there, he comes across a baby who was also in the way of Herod's wrath, and he ends up doing something to protect and save this life, and he spends more of his treasure. And so as the story gets told, this wise man it keeps trying to meet Jesus face to face and offer some of his treasures, but all along the way, he keeps getting caught up in these detours and people that need him and unexpected circumstances. And the story ends with this wise man totally broke and never getting to meet Jesus face to face. Now, I know you're like, thanks for that really downer of a story, Kara, about that wise man. But the truth is, I love that story. I love it because it's really a lesson for all of us. It's a lesson about how to live the life of faith. Not in some perfect one day sort of life, but right in the midst of our own messy, broken, imperfect lives, lives with detours and things that were never in the plans, we are invited to use the gifts of our own lives. And here's the thing, the only gift Jesus has ever asked of us is the gift of our own lives. Right here, right now, not the perfect life, not the one day when I come into some money or get my act together or have more time on my hands, but this life, the one we've got today. And the truth is, even all those wanderings, even all those experiences and lessons and moments in our lives that were never in the plans, God can use even those. And I see you all do that all the time. It's one of the joys, truly, of being a pastor of a congregation. I watch you decide all that hurt, all that hard-fought lesson, all those learnings along the way, all those things you wish you never had to learn, you decide to use it to help somebody, to serve somebody. I watch you, instead of growing inward or smaller, decide to live more outward with more love, with more compassion, with more generosity, because you have been there. You've been lost. You know what it feels like to wander. You know what it feels like to feel like the road and the path ahead is scary and uncertain. You do that because you've been there too. 
And God has brought you to this day and time. There is nobody like you. Nobody with your lessons, nobody with your experiences, nobody with your learnings, the good stuff and the hard stuff. God can use that. So here at the start of the year, maybe, just maybe, we all try to let go of the image in our head that the way we think our life is supposed to be and try to simply enjoy the journey of following the light. Who knows where he might lead you? What might change if you had the courage to offer your own imperfect gifts to the king? You know, I don't know where that might lead you. I don't even know what your path may be. But I do know this, that if you dare to do that every day that you're given, every single day that you're given, one day you might look back on your life and be overwhelmed with the joy of it. Amen. Amen.